welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your teacher, Dr. Jim Cunningham, author of the book Men Alive. Normally, I am the teacher, but today our host, my longtime friend, Paul Esterbrooks, is switching roles. Paul, what are you going to share? Jim, you've known for a long time that I love stories, and today is no exception. I've asked our mutual friend, Dr. Ron Boyd McMillan, to share a significant story he loves to tell that took place in China. Dr. Ron. There was a man who lived in the city of Luoyang in China, and he was known as Mr. 40%. And that was an outrageous percentage because he was in an outrageous trade. He was a black market racketeer. And this was his racket. Luoyang is the capital of the ancient dynasties of China. And there were always archaeological digs going on in the city. And he would ensure that under cover of darkness, he would go into the archaeological site and he would steal what they had uncovered. Whether it was a terracotta Buddha, a vase, you name it, he stole it. And he had a way of spiriting these goods down to Canton, where he had a friend who would crate them up, put them in the bottom of a barge. They would pour hundreds of tons of coal on top. The barge would be towed down the Pearl River. It would get to Hong Kong, where the triads, the gangs, took over. They would forge a certificate of provenance. And then these items would be put up for sale in the Antique Row, which is Hollywood Road, and in the Hong Kong Stock Exchange building. And everybody would buy these things, little knowing their source. And he used, to, he used to get quite tickled at the kind of people that owned his stolen material. And he was happy, and he lived well, until a dark cloud began to appear. There was a directive from Beijing that said to the leaders of the city of Luoyang, we want a hundred executions within six months on charges of racketeering. We don't mind if the evidence is that strong. Just let the heads roll and send the signal because racketeering is clogging up the economy. And so, Mr. Lee saw two of his best friends shot. And they were for crimes that were a lot more minor than he had committed. And so, you could say he began to feel the noose tightening around his own neck. And he began to face the prospect that he might die young at 35. And so, Mr. Lee began to think about life, the universe, and everything. Is there a god? What's his name? Is he on my side? But who could he turn to for guidance? So he was talking to a friend of his, and he said, Well, you know, there's an old priest who lives up in a cave about two days' walk from here. He might be a good place to start. So he makes the trek, and sure enough, he finds this old man in a cave, and the cave smells of jasmine and honeysuckle, and this old man comes out to meet him, and he's got this dark face, it's like an old parchment, and eyes that are bright like the tips of candles, and he thinks, Oh! I've come to the right place. There's something exotic about this man. And yet he's a little disappointed, because the old man simply says, well, I can only introduce you to the God I know, and the God I know is a God who speaks, a God who weeps, and a God who sleeps. And Mr. Lee's face fell, and the old man says, well, what's the problem? I'm not sure that's the God I'm looking for. So the old priest says, well, okay, what God are you looking for? Let's start there. Mr. Lee has a think, and he says, I want a God who's in charge. I want a God who has no equal. I want a God who has all the power. He doesn't have to fight and tussle with an equal. Someone where the, the buck stops. The supreme being. Does that God exist? Can I find him? The old man said, time for you to meet the God who speaks. And he says, get yourself a Bible 
and read the first chapter of it. This is a time when Bibles were very scarce in China, but Mr. Li was not a black marketeer for nothing, and he soon had one in his hands, and he began to read the first chapter of it. And of course, immediately he saw what the old man meant. There's this refrain that goes through the first chapter, and God said, and God said, and God said, and all as a result of a word, galaxies burst into being. Huge ocean currents swelled up from barren rock. Forests clawed through the topsoil. Men and women stood tall. At the result of a word, and he thought, that's power. That is power. I have to speak, and then I have to do. God just flaps his tongue, and it is. So he thought, so there is a supreme being after all. Fancy that. Well, he was happy for a while, but then he had a very distasteful duty to perform. His best friend, the one that was left, hadn't been shot. His wife had a child. And as the baby was coming out of the mother, the father was devastated to discover that it was a girl. And he did what many Chinese men do. He strangled baby at birth. And he asked Mr. Lee to go and dispose of the body. Mr. Lee finds himself trudging into the fields on a dark night. It's raining. And he drops the little bundle of dead life down a well. And he hears the splash. And he looks up at the sky and he thinks, This is a rotten world. I don't like it. What happened to the God that spoke all this beauty into being? So he went back to the old priest and he said, does this God still care? It's all right for you sitting up in a sweet-smelling cave, but I'm down in a city and it stinks. This is a rotten world. Did God just make it and then get fed up with it and then move on to other worlds? Is he still involved or is he just so removed by it? Maybe he's got other worlds that he's happier about. Old man says, time for you to meet the God who weeps. So he says, you go and read the story of the flood in Genesis chapters 6 to 9. So he goes and reads the story of the flood. And this is a bit more tricky. What's this got to do with weeping? Well, he's Chinese, so he very quickly thinks allegorically, could the flood represent the tears of God? And could you see the flood as a gigantic act of justice, that God was so moved by the wickedness of human beings that he wiped them out to start again with them? At least it proves this. This God was not indifferent. This God still cared. This God was still involved. So he read on in this book. He was quite piqued. He read about how God picked a nation for himself, gave this nation a great warrior leader, gave them laws, called it a covenant, fought their battles, and for a while he was happy again. And then the bombshell came. You are listening to Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham and Paul Estabrooks. You can receive a free PDF by sending me, Dr. Jim, an email at menaliveundergod at gmail.com. That's menaliveundergod at gmail.com. Let's return to Dr. Ron and his story about Mr. Lee in China searching for the God who speaks, the God who weeps, and the God who sleeps. When we left off, Mr. Lee was shocked to receive a message from his closest friend. And Dr. Ron picks up the story here, sharing what that message was. A friend said, there's a man who's come from Beijing. He's from the Ministry of National Security. He has a list of three men he wants shot. Your name's top of the list. You're a dead man. He goes back to the priest one last time. And he says, you know, I've read this book and I'm sick of it. 
It seems that this God is just always on an anti-corruption campaign. He's just like the Chinese government. He's always wiping people out. People are always coming short. And then he asks for blood. What chance do I have with a God like this? I know I've got blood on my hands. I know I've done horrible things. Is this God on my side? Or am I just going to face more wrath when I die? Old man says, time for you to meet the God who sleeps. And he directs him to go and read this passage. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. But there are two factors in this passage that really seem very strange. One is, why is this character Jesus asleep in such a storm? There's something unnatural about that. Because as he read around the Gospels, he realized Jesus was a carpenter. He wasn't a fisherman. So if anybody ought to be really disturbed by a storm on a sea, it should be a landlubber, not a fisherman. Why is this man asleep on a cushion during a storm? And then the other thing that was really strange about it was, why, when he wakes up, is he so uncomplimentary to the disciples? As if to say, well, it's only a storm, never mind. They're fishermen. They know the rules of the sea. If there's a storm, you don't go into the center of it. You keep clear of it. That's how you survive on the sea. And he seems to suggest, shouldn't have been afraid at all. What's your problem? So he puzzles about it until a light bulb goes off in his head and he realizes, he thinks back to a verse that he read when he was reading the story of the flood. And it was in Genesis chapter 8. And it's that verse where it says, And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters were stopped up. And he thought, my goodness, it's the same God. The same God that spoke all this into being. What's it doing in a body? And so then the passage made sense. Of course he was asleep. Wind and waves held no terror for him. He spoke them into being. So he can sleep through them. And when he gets up, it's just a simple matter to calm them down because this is the God who spoke it all into being. And he's surprised at the disciples then that they haven't realized by now what his identity is. He's the God who speaks, not just the God who sleeps. And so he realizes, and great sobs heave and break his body as he realizes that this God loved him so much that he had become a human being just like him. It proved he was loved. Why would this God bother otherwise to become a human being? So he bowed his head, and almost right away he was arrested. His trial lasted about 15 minutes. He was sentenced to death, and he was put into jail where he was rapidly losing weight on a diet of rice and sand. No one came to visit him in the month that he was in jail. Who wants to see a condemned gangster? Not even his family came to see him. Day before he was slated for execution, 
They said, you have a visitor. Go to the gate, and you can speak through the gate. It was the old priest, and the priest just said to him, did you meet the one who sleeps? And Mr. Lee nodded. The old man walked away, and as he walked away, he heard Mr. Lee say in a voice that was raspy and croaky, he's in the boat with me, so the storm will do me no harm. And in the following morning, he was taken out, paraded in front of the town, taken to a stadium, shot, and his body was lifted and pushed into an unmarked grave outside the city. But the storm did him no harm. There you have it, men. Mr. Lee discovered Jesus was in his boat, and thus the storm would do him no harm. It changed his perspective on life and his eternal future. With any questions you may have, contact Dr. Jim at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. That's menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global. Visit our website at goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm Paul Estabrooks on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to become men alive, transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. <laughs>